Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I try to spread a little holiday cheer with this extra mini-cast for the holidays, where we discuss the Legion of Superheroes. No, that's pretty much it. We talk about the Legion of Superheroes. As always, thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoy. I'm literally just going to throw this out and maybe we can pick it up next time we do a Wait What. Yeah. But, I've, so, over the holidays, I reread a massive, woods suffocate a small dog chunk of Paul Evans' Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the Legion a lot. It's, it's one of my favorite superhero concepts altogether. Right. Uh, but I realized while reading it, because I read his, his 80s run, and his recent run. Yes. Um, and I realized that all of this... Well, I listen to uh, Explain the X-Men a lot. Mm-hmm. And they continually make references to their headcanon. As in things that aren't actually canon. But to them, they are. And every time they do that, I'm always like, I don't have headcanon. Like, that's not me. I totally do when it comes to Legion. I totally do. And I did only realized that when I was reading these comics. How so? I mean, I, or rather, it, what specifically is headcanon to you? And uh, the Legion stops with Levis's run. Mm-hmm. Five years later is all alternate universe stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and picks up when Levis comes back in the book. Wow. And it's a gap in time. Mm-hmm. And the John's issues like are kind of part of it, because like, he literally brought those characters back. Yes. Um, but the, the Levis's run counts. And everything else doesn't. Mm. Hmm. Which is super weird. And I don't have that for any other character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other series. Mm-hmm. But I really do for Legion. I, I've also been thinking far too much about Legion. I mean, one of these days, if DC just wants to pay me to write up a Legion Bible for a comic, I will do that for cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, they would be like, we'll, we'll give you a, a cookie. And I'll be like, okay, I'm there. I will tell you what you have to do with Legion right now. Um... You know, but, I, I, if you don't mind me jumping in here, although I, I probably should just keep keep my pie hole shut, I was fascinated by you got, at least for the relatively atrophied standards of our website, you got a ton of comments on your piece uh, there. It's because grades, Jeff. Well, so here's the thing. <laughs> I On the one hand, on the one hand, I think that... In theory, I should agree with you. In practice, I don't agree with you nearly as strongly as I should. And but and thirdly, the thing that I find fascinating is is that to me, the Legion really is a, a fascinating historical Art curiosity. Spot. It's you know, it's the Fantastic Four. It's DC's Fantastic Four. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's In, it's it's a great concept that mm-hmm. has not been proven to work. For contemporary audiences, and well, I think it, the way yeah. to fix that mm-hmm. is to go the squirrel girl route. I think you have to just accept everything and not try and justify it for "quote unquote" adult audiences. Okay, I, th- well, I think the way to make the legion work, you have to drop the cynicism. Okay, so well, there's two things here. One interesting point. Two, of course, I mean. There is there is the idea of – because as you know, 
historically speaking, from sales and from a fandom, fandom point of view, Legion of Superheroes was huge. You know, it, I, you, the comparison to the Fantastic Four in the sense of, oh, here's a concept that is outdated that doesn't quite work anymore, that, that people can't quite seem to get going is valid, but it's also a very valid comparison to the X-Men. You know, that, that honestly, before Chris Claremont's uh, Uncanny X-Men, there was the Legion of Superheroes. And, and they continued for a long period stretch afterwards in terms of... Yeah, yeah. The, the Legion invented uh, Wolfman of Perez's Teen Titans and Claremont's X-Men. That's right. You it, can see uh, the seat very, very clearly in exactly. Legion. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it is a superheated, there were, there was a superheated fandom there that was at the core of it that, it, to me, is that idea of where slash how does it collapse or end, you know, because... Well, what's really interesting is reading the Levitt's 80s issues, mm -hmm. you can already see the fandom dying off. Yes. You can already see in the letters columns the fandom reacting to Levitt's changes. Interesting. And, and, and being very upset by them. Mm -hmm. There are some great letters that are essentially like... One of them actually says... The Legion ended when Jim Shooter left the title. Wow. Because for him, like, I, I refuse to believe. He was like, you've killed off characters, and you've let mar characters get married. This isn't the same team. Right. And th th that plays out a lot. That, like, what are, for us, very minor changes in character status quo. Yeah. Are anathema to, their under to these fans' understanding of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is super... Interesting to me, because mm -hmm. I think what happens is you have that, but then you have five years later, which is a really dramatic change. I mean, yes. it, it's it's literally dropping everything about the character about the series, with the exception of the characters' names and powers, because you change all the personalities as well and change the status quo, everything. The status and quo I totally think, I totally think at that point, the hardcore fan base left, just went. I think you got the true diehards who will buy anything that says Legion on it. But I think because I mean, imagine if you had X Men now, mm -hmm. and I mean, almost X Men. Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? You actually, your 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 connect our connection starting to get weak. Oh no! Do you want to call back and keep going? Yeah. And we're back. Okay. You sound better, I think. That's good. Yeah. Um, so but what I was saying is, imagine Marvel said, here's the X-Men. Mm -hmm. um, we've dropped all the history. All, mm -hmm. like We've literally rewritten history, and we won't tell you what the rewritten history is. Some of your favorite characters are gone and will never be mentioned again. Mm -hmm. Some new characters here to take their places. Mm-hmm. Some of the all the characterization has changed. All the relationships have changed because we've done a time jump. Uh, Cyclops is now he's only got one arm, and he's half blind in an eye. Like, 
like, fandom would go fucking insane. Like fandom goes insane at the we've written temporarily written Cyclops out, and by the way, the Inhumans are you know are, have cut the X Men down to three books. Right. So if you had to, like you would you would kill the franchise, mm-hmm. and so DC killed the franchise in 1989. Well, to that extent, ever since tried to get it back. In in the interest of, because this is part of what makes the Legion so fascinating to me, there are a lot of people who who say that that the Legion was dealt an almost ghastly death blow. Oh, by crisis. By crisis. So, I mean, it's it's as if... Well, it it it, wasn't, it wasn't, because Levitz closed that loop. (laughs) Like, there's actually a storyline, because Crisis happens in the middle of his run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And writes Superboy out of history. And what I think he should have done, which is just basically never mention it again. Like, that's it. Like, not deal with it. Just be like, okay, we all understand. Yeah. We'll never mention Superboy again. Yeah, instead so he ends up spy- doing the equivalent of the Spider-Man clone storyline, really. If you well, think he, about he it. doesn't, he doesn't, because he, he does it in two issues. Mm-hmm. Like, right. it's not like exactly. Clone Saga, which went on for like two years. Right. Um, but he invents a fake Superboy mm-hmm. to fill in the continuity gap. Right. And and after that, never mentions it again. Yeah. <laughs> he literally is like, okay, this happened. Okay, you guys, we're moving on. Let's never say the word Superboy again. Right. Which I, is... Which makes sense. So it's not even as if they had to go back and and fix that. And even then, that doesn't explain the tonal shift, the continuity jump. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that, all that comes down to given just going nuts and and making some good comics as a result. Yeah, but but tanking the franchise to do so. Well, uh, again, I, the thing that I find, to me, the thing that I find fascinating about about the Legion is 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 it. I I almost feel like it's a it's a little bit of a riddle of the Sphinx. You know, if we can solve it, we actually get to kill our fathers and marry our mothers. But that there is that there is something. In it that I feel like, oh, if we can solve this, we can solve essentially what's happening to superhero comics, you know, which seems ridiculous. But to me, what I find fascinating is the idea that Legion – because depending on who you talk to, you know, A, there are those people that were alienated when Levitz took over and made changes. There are those people who got alienated, I think, from the idea of once Superboy ceases to exist and then, you know – Either depending on how you cut it, a Levitz's explanation is confounding, and people are like, nah, "I don't, nah, that doesn't," eh. or they just kind of feel are like, "That's not what a you know what I signed up for." I, I find it fascinating that when Wade, who of course was an editor during the beer bombs and, and Geffen's run, and was closely tied to, to the Legion editorially, when he gets his chance to to bring back the characters. He uh, found it, you know, reboots the franchise. One of the things that he found super important was the idea that these are kids who are inspired by the concept of superheroes, that they're inspired by the idea that they can be something better than what they are. Sure, you know? but that's the second reboot he, 
headlines. Well, he, uh, because he does yes. it in the 1990s as well. He re- he waited to reboot the Legion twice. Oh, that's right. Uh, well, and and again, he kind of had his hands on on at least partially on the rudder during the five years later. Yeah, sort he was, of. He was the initial boot. editor. He yeah. was the initial editor for five years later. Right. Um, but he he co-wrote the 1994 reboot mm-hmm. and then wrote the 2005 reboot. So uh, so. Well, so part of me is like, well, tell me more about this 1994 reboot. But before we was there, was super generic. It was super like 1990s. What if we do the 1950s stories in the 1990s? Oh, interesting. Okay, because uh, I I do find it. There is part of me that's very uh, that that does think that that Legion suffered some big blows. And part of it is kind of that part that I feel that Marvel and DC find themselves in the situation of now with a lot of their books, which is a little bit on the lines of either you've got a book that is so complex in its continuity, its characters and its relationships that it is completely impenetrable. And all you can do is lose readers Mm -hmm. or, Alternately, you keep trying and trying and trying to reboot the the franchise in a way to make it stick. And each time that you do so, you both lose something that's crucial of the old audience and the new audience just either is not interested or doesn't, crucially, I feel, doesn't have the confidence in the reboot. You know? Yeah, I, I think the Legion is the the fate that has befallen the Legion is a confluence of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, at its heart, the Legion is a very optimistic idea mm-hmm. because it takes place in a a world a thousand years from now where basically everything mm-hmm. everything's so okay. In fact, that the science police, which I still think is a hilarious title for the police, but. I, I, I'm just going with it. Right. It's completely okay with like an army of teenagers mm-hmm. basically taking upon themselves to fight off alien invasions or, you know, universal hypnotizing all of Earth right. or or any of the, the big plots. Like Darkseid comes along and it's the Legion of Superheroes that take care of it. Um, and, and that – there's a, a, an inherent belief – that is actually necessary for the Legion to exist. Mm-hmm. That mankind is not only not going to destroy itself, but mankind is going to colonize the rest of the world, like the rest of the universe, mm-hmm. uh, in a way to build a human-like civilization across everything that will function perfectly well. Right. Because all of, uh, not all of the Legionnaires, the majority of the Legionnaires are alien, mm-hmm. but are alien worlds that humans colonized yeah well see that's it i sort of wonder if maybe at the core of it the the legion of superheroes has to have a view of colonization and therefore colonialism that is deeply deeply outdated in the current state of the world you know, I'm, and not, it, I'm not sure if it's colonization it has to have. I think it has to have a view of um, immigration, strangely enough, hmm. that that is out of sync with, sadly, the, the current worldview. Hmm. Uh, because ultimately, all of the legionnaires are immigrants. 
Yeah, all of well, all of the legionnaire legion are immigrants, but the I think the benefit of the legion of superheroes is as with a lot of science fiction at the time, there's always a very safe and comfortable other to face and fight. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, let's think about it. The idea, I mean, part of the problem with America is it seems too much as if we have nothing but teenagers trying to make our diplomacy. Uh, solutions for us, you know, on an international basis, which is not, you know, knowing what we know now today about teenagers and knowing what, you know, we know about international diplomacy, it doesn't seem like there is, there is a very convenient and necessary form of like the, 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 you're right. The dream of, of immigration is very different in America, which is something that is, um, uh, genuinely, uh, sad uh, and 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 frustrating but the flip side of it is also that i feel that there's a certain amount of um disinclination to buy into the othering of you know civilization x that very much um you know mirrors a lot of our belief in uh colonialism you know, up to a certain point of time, which is I, I, that we're going I, to encounter them and our, A, our superior values are going to either conquer them or win them over. Well, but A, that's part of the problem with Star Trek as well, mm-hmm. which is another optimistic view of the future that has fallen from favor. Right. Um, but B, it's different. I want to say it's a different type of colonialism in Legion because mm-hmm. the majority of the worlds, A, are fictional and B, have no one on the planets apart from the humans. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's, uh, it's not colonialism as we know it, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, a lot of it also is, it is like an, you know, a very 1950s, all the way through even the 80s, it's a very 1950s view of science fiction. Yes. Uh, wherein, as much as there is an othering of the enemies, mm-hmm. there's also a belief that aliens, 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 aliens just, just, just won't want to be like, you know, which I, I think is a, a really, again, something that's fallen from favor. The, almost everything about the Legion has fallen from favor. Yeah. The idea that we are not going to destroy ourselves mm-hmm. is fallen from favor. The idea that we will, we will become uh, intergalactic citizens mm-hmm. has fallen from favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that if you look at the Earth of the Legion of Superheroes as America, the idea that immigrants can come here and and succeed kind of on their own terms, because mm-hmm. there's there's certain a reading of of the Legion as one of the reasons that they are successful is that they are are other from what Earth is. But remind them of, but reminds Earth of its core values of Superman. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's a, a sort of weird redemptive tale, if if you want to read it in there. But that's fallen from favor as well. There's, uh, there's just I feel that the only way to do Legion now is to just drop all the cynicism, take mm-hmm. everything at face value, mm-hmm. and because there's so much there. I, I read uh, before I did this levitry read. I read the the showcase volumes, and there's just so much there mm-hmm. 
there's all these fucking alien worlds. They're like, we have to go to the magic world. We have to go to the engineering world. Right. And you're just like, this, this is an amazing idea. That's yeah. an amazing idea. You're literally using for one panel because you need, you know, to explain why Superboy is okay with Kryptonite, this issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so much potential there and there's so many ideas that were never really explored. And you can't explore it now. Like the, re- reading the, the most recent Levitz issues, mm-hmm. you can see the writer he was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But you can see him try and fit into the current marketplace. Right. And it's just, it's awkward, but at no point is it more awkward than the final five issues of the series when Keith Giffen comes on as co-plotter for like two of them. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to God, they literally kill off, I want to say it's, they definitely kill off two characters in the first issue in basically comedy ways. Yes. With the idea of like trying to shock the reader. Mm-hmm. One of them gets fucking eaten by aliens. Right. I was kind of like, didn't Colossal Boy, like, he has a heart attack and then the, Star, the, Star the Boy, legions have to eat their way out of them no, no, or no. something? Yeah. Star Boy literally gets hit by a piece of falling debris and crushed on panel. Mm-hmm. Sun Boy gets his head crushed by a piece of a spaceship. And then his body is eaten by aliens because they didn't bury him fast enough. Wow. And it's just this weird... Gallows humor that's not even funny. Do you right. know what I mean? It's just this really strange thing where they're like, we've got to do something to get people's attention. You know, the thing that's interesting is, is that in describing it, like, I'm like, oh, right. You know, what you kind of need is, like, I had that moment of like, fuck, you, uh, well, I don't even know if these, if, hmm, assuming that, Harry Potter hit for very specific reasons, of course, that people have always been specific ideas and themes that people have been drawn to and Rowling put a new twist on it. Part of me is like, oh, yeah, you know, the Legion would actually make a really strong YA franchise, like, but in a way that you would really have to commit to it, not not in a... DC doing a line of all ages books where each issue is self-contained, but a YA franchise that is where the idea of the big sprawling mythology is very enticing, but there is also a a strong degree of, uh, in which the cynicism is, is not as um, potent, I suppose, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the Legion is at heart, again, for me, because Paul Levitz's Legion is the Legion for me. Mm-hmm. It is science fiction and soap opera, much mm-hmm. more than the superheroics. Right. If you read the 80s stuff, the superheroics are really minor. It That's is a right. soap opera that is set in the future. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is – I so – and part of me is like I think sometimes I wonder if the Legion of Superheroes – was hugely effective as as soap opera for a lot of people for a lot of ways. And then what happened was, you know, Claremont's X-Men really did take that formula and perfect it. Like, yes, it, yeah. it, is a, it is an even more potent soap opera. It has an even more potent, you know, teen allegory mm-hmm. at its core. And there's just a lot less gimmies to it. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. It's it, that last part in particular. Mm-hmm. I think Claremont takes the soap opera and takes it further, but he's also far more in tune with the times. Mm-hmm. Claremont is able to speak to 
the fear of the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. in a way that the Legion just can't. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and and uh, it's it then just it then succeeds, and then DC it is like we have to do something with it. We'll do five years later, and in doing so, strips it of the things that the fans liked. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I think I think there is an idea of uh, the Legion, and again, part of the way that in which I wonder if the the failures of the Legion reflect what's going on with the big two is is there is this idea of like. Growth, question mark, or stasis, question mark. You know, how do we blend them? Like, yeah. the Legion had was hugely, hugely successful when there was genuine growth and where characters move forward. But at a certain point, it accelerated past that point and everyone was like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? How do we reset those dials, you know? And, and every everything since 1994 has been trying to get back to specifically I think the 1980s incarnation of the Legion. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I, I was saying before, like, I'll write a Legion Bible for, you know, for free, for whatever. One of the things I think you have to do if you're going to commit to the Legion mm-hmm. is accept that there's no real status quo for the Legion. Yeah. That the soap opera is primary and one of the things that the 80s title does really well and in fact, it, it did like from the fifties all the way through to the eighties, mm-hmm. all the way through to the end of Levitt's run. Is it would it was wonderful at doing the Stan Lee illusion of change thing. Yeah. So characters could break up, or costumes could change, mm-hmm. or powers could change. Right. But the status quo didn't. Mm-hmm. And what happened eventually was comics learned the other lesson, which is you can never change a character's core relationships or core powers. Or even core Luke, but you can reboot a universe, right. or you can, you can know you can change the status quo, and that's that's better. So so two quick questions, two quick points that I that I do want to throw in there that may upset the apple cart. One one of the things that fascinated me about Spidey as I picked it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, hey, there's you know here's Spider Man as a teenager again. Is the weird extent to which it reminds me, like, Marvel, in its attempts to, you know, do all new, all different, while basically shouting out to various other things. Like, Spidey is the biggest uh, uh, warning light on the engine yet that Marvel is in danger of becoming Silver Age DC, you know, where it's kind of like... You know the the miracle of Silver Age DC, and in a way that really appeals to me now. At first, say Superman is like, "Hey, you want Superman? Here's Superman. You want Superman as a kid? Here's Superboy. You want Superman as a girl? Here's Supergirl. You want Superman as like a buddy having superhero team ups? Here's World's Finest. It's kind of Spider Man. It looks a lot like that where it's like oh you want him as a teenager here's spidey you want him as you know an african-american here's miles morales you want him as a woman here's five titles whether you want him as gwen or jessica drew or the silk Silk person yeah you know (laughs) this silk person (laughs) you said so wonderfully disapproving this silk person well no i mean because i i i haven't read silk apart from the stuff that was going on in in spider-verse the 
world's worst assembled hardcover, and in it... Exactly. That's the worst introduction to anyone ever. Yeah, seriously. Like, good luck with that one. And in the course of that, I was like... You know, because Silk had apparently appeared before, and she and Peter had encountered each other, and and at least because they tucked the 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 side bonus side quest stories in the back of the volume, which I never made it to. I'm like, all you can see of Silk in those issues is is that her power is is that Peter Parker really wants to bone her, and I'm just like, that seems like a really specific and strange power. Not to say somewhat <laughs> a little too retrograde for my taste, you know. So th- that was that was really weird. So the silk person, maybe silk is terrific. I honestly, I don't know. I should try and find out. And thanks to the miracle of Marvel Unlimited, I probably can easily. But in those episodes, I was like, this is not. I'm not sure this is the spider direction that I had really envisioned for yet another. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So anyway, all of which is to say, A, Marvel, Silver Age, DC, uh, B, I, I do want to point out that, that also one of the things that I think is, is yeah, worth pointing out is when the Legion started out in the 50s, I think that the the idea that as a teenager, like literally as you had child children of first immigration, first generation immigrants in America that could I think identify with the Legion and that dream of America and also the role of concerned active citizens for their, you know, adopted planet that was their home planet and yeah. as embodied in the values. Whereas one of the things why I think that honestly, maybe the reason why Claremont, the, the Claremont incarnation of the uncanny X-Men hits even stronger than the Lee and Kirby version is, is by the time that you get the seventies, um, the, the concept of the mutant, essentially the idea that you are different from the generation that came before you and you are an alien in your status quo becomes so much more, um, universally teen applicable, you know, that, that essentially, you know, you, that the teenage experience is not you know, is like, oh, hey, there's a status quo and I stick out from it and I don't quite know how to fit in on it. And, and it inherently rejects me and I inherently reject it is, yeah. is, 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 is super strong in 70s America in a way that it is just apparently was not in, in say 50s and 60s America, you know? So, so I, I think, think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, who who knows? I I do think I think that basically I'm saying we need to do a legion of superheroes where the legion is formed because they have crushing student debt and no jobs and a, a lot of education um, and issue spaceships as uh, pollution polluting and also materialistic and also they can't really afford them so they're going to go with their space uh, fixies and uh, you know they they more or less all bond on the internet and decide to fight crime, uh, intergalactic crime because, uh, you know, um, uh, it, it makes for good cosmic selfies. So. I'm in. <laughs> You're like done and done, sir. <laughs> Have the first issue for me by Monday. Exactly. Somewhere at DC, they're like, that could work. Yeah. They're, I, I'm sure at DC, they're just, someone lifts their head off the desk and is like, sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Sure. But yeah, yeah, Legion is Legion is Marvel is DC's Fantastic Four. 
something mm-hmm. that is a great idea that just you can't get to work right now. Yeah, yeah. You you that is that in order to get it to work, I think you would have to change it so much people would be like, "But why don't you just call that the Flemisters of Schnork?" You know, so. You heard it here first, people. Flemisters of Schnork coming in 2016. Yeah, I've TM'd that motherfucker. So in case any of you go to look, like, pro tip, that was, that was, I came up with that before the conversation and made it a point to drop it in. So it would be the comic sensation.